choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. All right. Well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, we got with us today uh, the Knucklehead Steven. And I'm excited because we have Doc Rannigan, uh, who's a business owner here in the DFW, the Metroplex. Uh, I don't want to pigeonhole it to just the, the Metroplex. He's going to sit there and talk about how he can only service like a small area. But let's be honest. Doc is uh, the man with the plan. He's got a nationwide business. He's, it's going to be a matter of time before uh, people all over the country are hearing from this guy. So I'm excited that we got him before he blows up, uh, even though he's already blown up, if you ask him. So, uh, Doc, Mr. Michael, how are you, buddy? Oh, man. Too blessed to be stressed, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on uh, your Knucklehead podcast. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, talk to fellow entrepreneurs out there and let them know what uh, my strengths, my weaknesses, and my failures, mistakes, and uh, anything that I can give of value to anybody listening to this. Uh, be prepared. In your experience, you spent some time in the military. Um, we can talk a little bit about that. But what was the what was the biggest lesson that you learned going from um, interacting with a bunch of entrepreneurs and your time in the military? Hmm. Well, uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of background on, on who I am. I was born and raised here in Dallas. Uh, started out in Oak Cliff. Got three yeah. brothers. Came from a broken home like, like many other people who, who set out and joined the, uh, the military. I joined in 99 as a, as a way to escape uh, my home life. I ended up becoming a corpsman, landed with a uh, Marine Corps unit for about four years, did two tours across the pond. And um, the funny thing is, is one of the, my mentors, um, he actually was kind of a, an entrepreneur himself. Um, he was with Amway and Quickstar. And so he introduced me to MLM, uh, multi-level marketing uh, programs when I was in my early twenties and um, at that time I was hungry. I didn't care how to, um, I just wanted to make some extra cash because as an E3, you're really not making that much money. So I got started in, in Amway and Quickstar selling who knows whatever they, they had at that time. Um, so I knew I had a, a passion to, to run my own business. Even before I ever joined the military, I was always you know, out there mowing people's yards, raking leaves, uh, you name it. I, me and my brothers had our hands in something that would help to generate some additional income um, because, quite frankly, my mom and dad just didn't make enough money uh, to afford us the opportunity that some of the other kids had in, in school. So we had to take up that slack. And if we wanted something nice, we had to go out there and earn it, uh, which led to a, a an unknown planted seed in in my brain, which led me to become uh, an entrepreneur. Um, so in 2011, I bought into a franchise, uh, USA Mobile Drug Testing in Dallas, um, which is a, a nationwide franchise that specializes in drug and alcohol testing for workplace environments. Um, it deals a lot with safety and compliance. Um, it was, it deals directly to business to business sales. Um, and I promise you the first three years I was rubbing pennies together. I maintained a part-time job uh, to make ends meet. Um, 
That's where I started knocking doors to to sell roofs at the same time. That's where I kind of got my uh, knowledge in the roofing market. Um, so let's see, 2011 to 2019, that puts me at about eight years uh, in that business. Right now, that that business is on autopilot. I probably have over 250 clients that I oversee and maintain on a on a daily basis. Um, and then about three years ago, my wife pushed me to starting the second business which is Doc's Residential Roofing. Um, so from there, I started my second business, um, started overcoming those obstacles, understanding um, consumer to business to consumer, right? Um, yeah. Which is a totally different uh, scope of work and scope of sales, um, whereas you're just dealing with the homeowner directly. Um, I apologize, this phone will ring constantly. And... That's just part of being what I do. Um, you got nothing uh, to apologize for. Now we understand where that's coming from. That's actually more engaging that way. It'll be fine. Um, it, Doc, gonna, listen, listen. I, so, I think that I think that your so your story. You had touched on a point that I really want to um, before we get too far down the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's come let's come back to your 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 upbringing and the and the time that you spent. <clears throat> I guess uh, nurturing that seed. You had said that you had planted the seed inside you to be a business owner. Uh, that mm-hmm. time growing up, your parents not having a lot. Um, there's a lot of conflict um, uh, in my past, um, especially when it comes to authority, right? I have a difficult time um, processing how somebody can um, tell me what to do without really earning. And so if, if that person has my respect or if they've, if they've accomplished a lot in their career, I don't have a I don't have a difficult time working with that person or, or working for that person, for instance. But how did you how did you overcome some of those uh, authority type issues uh, to actually be productive between the time that you were growing up to the time that you joined the military? Because you know, all you deal with is authority in the military, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I have a unique talent where I'm able to find a fine line in between. Um, authority and actually getting the work done, right? So when somebody would delegate a task that I wasn't really thrilled about doing in the Navy, um, so there's there's a beauty behind being a corpsman, right? So you're part of the Navy, but yet also attached to a Marine Corps unit. And yeah. so with that being said, whenever the, the Marines was out doing, you know, painting rocks yellow and picking up trash that wasn't supposed to be there i would oftentimes go back to the clinic and do the navy work and vice versa and so when it when it came to dealing with authority i always looked for the other end of the spectrum yeah maybe i didn't want to do it but i was going to find um a good out of that whole process right so i'm the kind of guy that doesn't look at a glass half empty or half full i'm the kind of guy that's just thankful that something's in the glass if that makes sense, right? No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So there's always a silver lining to any obstacle, to any any objection that comes out there. There's always a positive side to that. So regardless of the worst of the worst conditions that you may be faced with, I promise you there's a diamond in the rough that can be found if I become willing to look for it. And so yeah. being raised in the environment that I was raised in, um, where it was, it, the norm was drinking alcohol, doing drugs. That was the normal day-to-day activity inside my home as a teenager. 
my dad condoned it. My mom said, well, at least they're not out there on the street doing it where I can't find them. Right. So there was this weird vibe inside of our home where other people felt comfortable coming to our house because nobody was going to challenge uh, what was happening inside that house. Um, now, and a thing that made me respect authority is when my oldest brother was sent off to, to the penitentiary, our home was kicked in by SWAT. And I was like, shit, just got real, right? There's no more hiding behind the truth and or hiding behind these lies and, and, and putting up this facade of everything that's going well because authority came in. And, and at the end of the day, good order and discipline is what's going to win and what's going to prevail. 100%. Hundred percent. So that that is a difficult thing for people to stomach. Had they had not had the door kicked in, right? They they actually think that the authority is the problem. Um, right. They actually think that the uh, you know if somebody has the power, then essentially there's always this you know power behind the the, the curtain that are pulling the strings, and it creates an atmosphere of distrust, which which some people try to combat with authenticity. Some people try to combat with transparency. There's a bunch of different buzzwords that people leverage. Yours is you combated it with experience and pain and overcoming it through hard work. And it's, that's, that's admirable. Um, how do you maintain, how do you maintain being able to, to go through that period of time in your business and run a part-time, uh, run, do a part-time job and raise a family? Uh, how did you, how did you maintain focus on what it is that, that was what your business deliverables were uh, during that three okay. years? Uh, shit, there's a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, long nights. I mean, I was also going to college at the same time, working on my bachelor's degree. Um, yep. So there was a, a lot of moving parts. And let's see, my oldest daughter was, I want to say, four years old. And we just had my youngest son uh, at the time. So we had two relatively, you know, two two children that were under the age of five. My wife was working on a real estate license. I was working on a bachelor's degree. I was trying to get USA mobile drug testing up and off the ground. And I was still trying to pay our bills um, all at the same time. I mean, this was a daily uh, struggle. And oftentimes I leaned on alcohol to get me through some of those days, right? Because there was the stress level was extremely high and that was the norm, right? That if I had a problem, I had the solution and that was to drink away the problem. You know what I mean? And that caused, a, and I believe that, that caused a lot of my delay in becoming successful sooner sure. um, because I began to use that as a crutch. And so there was a, and I think that was a huge dilemma for me um, because I rationalized it, right? I was like, Oh, well, it's okay because that's the way I was raised. It's okay because nobody says it's not okay. And so, Oh, I'm, I'm making clients. So I'm making gains, but am I really at my fullest potential? And what kept me going was I didn't, I needed to keep the lights on. Honestly, I, we made just enough money that we made too much money to get any sort of government assistance. Like we literally were told we made $12 too much to receive Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, WIC, any of that shit. We, we, they said you might as make $12 too much. And we were like, wow, what are we going to do? Cause we had, you know what I mean? Those times where we said no cable and all we had to do was focus on the, the bare bones of, of life and, and keeping the lights on. Um, you know, I fell away from religion. I fell away from uh, associating myself with other uh, veterans. I fell away from family. I just basically shut the world off 
and yep. said, you know what, I'll carry this world on my shoulders with no help. Um, yep. And the only thing I ever turned to was a bottle. And uh, it sounds kind of crazy, but my wife was kind of on board with it because she came from the same upbringing I did. So it was mm-hmm. normal to to have that at the end of the day. Um, so it wasn't until about four years ago um, when things really started to crumble around me, I was on the verge of losing my company. I was on the verge of losing my wife's kids um, that I decided to put the bottle down, seek help and becoming more involved with, with others. And once I began that transition, um, it seemed like the business seed really started to grow. Um, Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? I I don't want to, I don't want to hover over this point really because we're, to be honest with you, as, as much as I want to dive into all of this, we do have a finite amount of time in this particular instance. We're going to come back and revisit some of this again at a later time. But what we'll do here, Mike, is so many, so often there's entrepreneurs or there's people who start their their uh, their aspirations without understanding that that's a very real possibility, what you just experienced. And that's what stops them from taking the risk. They say, I'm not willing to go out there and get that uncomfortable. I'm not willing to screw up so much that where it could all potentially just crumble and go away. It doesn't happen overnight. So what would you, what would you say to somebody who's sitting across from you who's literally saying, Hey, listen, um, I'm going through the same thing that you're going through. What would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to do a gut check, you know, uh, do, do your pros and cons, right? Do your, do your one year, five year, one year, two year, five year, 10 year goals on a piece of paper. And if you don't think your small business is going to be able to achieve those those goals, then you might want to stick with where you're at. Um, but if whatever small business somebody wants to go down, ensure you have a passion about that. Ensure that you care enough about what you're selling, whatever service you're providing, um, consultation, whatever you're doing, ensure that you love it, that you can live it, that you can breathe it, that you can eat it. And you will become successful. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. And in order to become successful with, with anything, is you got to put the time in. You got to take, so what, the greater the risk, the bigger the reward, kind of in my opinion. And, and once the risk becomes abundantly clear, you can understand how to avoid some of those pitfalls. Hmm. So if you know that doing this is going to risk your family, your marriage, a relationship, you might want to sit down with your partner and discuss those risks with them so that they can all be on board. That was one of the problems that I did is I didn't sit down with my wife and tell her that I was going into business for myself, what business I was going into. I just said, you know what, I'm doing it. And for about three or four years, she really didn't support the idea. She told me yeah. I was crazy. I was nuts yep. that, you, that you're out of yep. control. Um, good luck. You know what I mean? So I was I was basically on a sinking ship. Uh, all alone, and all that fueled me was to prove her wrong. I know it sounds selfish. I know it sounds crazy, but I did it. I woke up at 5 a.m. and I got grinding every single day just to prove somebody else wrong. And that's the wrong. That was the wrong intention, honestly. It should have been to prove myself right. You know what I mean? Right. Because in in order to to grow your business, to grow yourself, you have to do it for yourself. And once I quit lying to myself things became more clear. Right? Well, I love how you said it earlier. You said it's not about the cup being half full or half empty. You're just thankful that something's in the cup. What sounded like, it sounded like you just, you got thankful. 
It's right. kind of like you actually have some gratitude that changed your perspective on those people that were around you, up to mm-hmm. and including your wife. Um, yeah. Once I became a little bit more humble uh, about what I was doing, and once I fully understood why I was doing it, yeah. uh, it became easier to close people. It, it became easier to find those new clients. It became, it became fun, right? It became enjoyable because in the beginning, it was more of a daunting task. Like, yeah. okay, I got to get up. I got to do this. And it wasn't, okay, I want to get up. I want to do this. So there's a clear distinction between I have to do it and I want to do it. And so yeah. once you're in that field of I want to do this, your I became way, way, way more successful because it wasn't a forced uh, thing, right? It wasn't a have-to deal. It wasn't trying to make ends meet. Um, it just became more enjoyable. And so if you're if anybody's thinking about becoming self-employed and running their own company, you know what I mean? I would just ensure that they want to do it, not a have to do it. Because once you have to do something, you don't put in the same amount of effort and energy. Um, so that's really the, the biggest thing, the, the biggest takeaway out of this is understanding your why, um, understanding yep. what the beauty of being self-employed is and yep. know that it is a five-year commitment regardless yep. um, and accept the fail- the mistakes. Without mistakes and without failure, I can't ever learn from it, which in turn, I can't ever share those experiences with anybody. Hey, listen, if you're going to start a business, understand that it's a five-year process, but if you could, if you could have them um, have 100% clarity or at least 60% clarity so they can at least start taking some action steps to get to where they needed to go, what are, what are four things or three or four things that you could just tell them Here's what you're going to want to have in your action plans. Here's what you're going to want to have in terms of your goals. Like what, what raw realities and truths can you, can you tell them if you were sitting across uh, the table from, from even you four or five years ago? I would tell them to use the acronym SMART, which okay. is, uh, your S is for, uh, what is it? It's like measurable, attainable, timely. Yeah. Um, realistic goals, right? Sure. So that's what I would tell myself. Be realistic with what you're trying to accomplish. And when you and when you set a goal, set a deadline, set a time frame, put a time constraint on that. Because what I found that will that, that helped me out by putting a time constraint on attaining certain goals is that my mind will basically alleviate all the other BS that's flooding my, my brain, right? Yeah. Because now it'll, it'll just dial in onto that time constraint. For instance, can you um, share, I want you, can you share, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you share a time where, where you were drinking to deal with the stress of the reality, but you still had a smart goal that you used and you didn't hit it. And I didn't hit it. Yeah. Um, that threw you off. Uh, so actually, I lost a uh, I lost a pretty heavy client, right? So I used to do the uh, the drug testing for the NFL, right? And and due to my negligence and my selfishness, 
in respect to uh, drinking and wanting to actually get done with the job so that I could be somewhere that I wasn't supposed to be, um, I lost that contract, right? Because I was supposed to be at a facility at a certain time frame, and I wasn't supposed to inform the athlete, but I needed to be somewhere else at the same time. So I decided to reach out to the athlete, inform him that I was coming, and that got back around to the NFL, and in turn, I ended up losing that contract. This was about a $50,000 a year contract. So um, I still kick myself in the ass for that due to being selfish and not putting my business first. I was putting my addiction first, right? Because I thought I was smarter than the authority, right? Remember, I was back when I was yep. first talking. I was saying, "No, oh, I'm smarter than the, the the authority. I'm I'm smarter than the 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 protocols that have been put in place in order to get something done effectively." I thought I could skew other people's plans and go and 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 reinvent their plans to fit my needs. Um, and so, by doing we so, call that we call that a knucklehead moment. I know you're I'm right right in the middle of your thought, but it costs you fifty grand. But in reality, yeah. that was per year, and you know year over year, there's an opportunity cost uh, as a as a filtration system that most business owners use whenever they're trying to make a good decision, and the opportunity cost of that particular mess up. I mean, what the, let's just say you had a really good time, you know, with some of your buddies and you're out drinking, so. Your bar tab is sixty or seventy bucks. So for sixty or seventy bucks, you cost yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars. Is that is that a fair summary, or is that is that unfair? Um, it's fair due to the fact that not only was it the NFL contract, it was also the NCAA, which was colleges, universities um, that also came with that contract, and they were getting ready to close the uh, close another contract with the NBA. And so that would have been three heavy uh, contracts, three different sports entities, NFL, NBA, and NCAA. Um, with all three of those combined, it would have been in the upwards of close to about $70,000 a year of strictly profit um, of doing those collections. But because I thought I was smarter than the system um, and because I was selfish in, in my ways, um, I lost it. Now, I definitely rebounded because I took that adversity, right? I took that big kick in the nuts, that knucklehead moment, and said, how am I going to get that money back, right? Because I wanted it back. I became accustomed, I became accustomed to that, that income, and that's when I decided to supplement my, that loss um, in the roofing industry. Um, so it was almost a blessing in disguise. Yep. Um, to to be perfectly honest, and what I should have done, hindsight, looking back, I should have hired somebody to oversee that contract, right? I should have delegated, and and that's something that that is crucial um, for a small business owner is understanding when to hire, understanding when to delegate, know when too much is on your plate, and say, okay, I need help. Know when to ask for help, right? Because what happens if you don't have the money to pay for something like that? Uh, you're basically when in, in my situation, those contracts were commission based. And so when you hire somebody under, let just be honest with that person. Say, Hey, look, this is, this is the payment. You know, you do the job, you invoice and you get paid, 
you know, 20 days afterwards. Um, so it's, it's not as if you wouldn't have the actual money because you know the money's coming, right? And I'm a firm believer for just upfront with, um, with whoever you're hiring about when the money's going to come, then you'll be okay. But if you're in a position where you don't have any working capital, you're not ready to hire anyways. And obviously you don't, you're spending somewhere that you're not supposed to be spending, right? You might want to go back and re and look at your budget and go back to those goals that you implemented. Um, I'm a firm believer to put 10% a month back of whatever profits earned back into the company, right? I don't touch it. I just automatically do it. For instance, if I make $10,000 that month, I'm putting a thousand to $2,000 away into a savings because I know that I want to grow. I want to expand and I want to, um, attain my goals. And in order to do that, I need that working capital. And so I began, began the self-discipline of saying, all right, I'm going to take, even if I don't have to pay myself, I've taken, there's been months where I haven't taken a paycheck to pay my employees. Right. I've done that. And because they were good workers and it's not their fault. Now, I knew that money was coming back to me on the back end. You know, I may have had to wait 45, 90 days for my client to pay me. So I was able, I was in a position where I could, um, where I could afford not to take that check because I knew I would be able to get it down the road. And by implementing that saving strategy, I was okay and was able to stay afloat. So if a, if a small business is, is at a, is at a tipping point of, I need to hire, but I don't have money to hire. Then where are you spending your money? Right. Understanding your cash flow is going to be crucial to any success of a business because a lot of times we get into uh, business and we think that we need to buy this, we need to buy that, I need this, this, that, and the other. And if it's in all intents and purposes, you, you don't need shit. You need clients. You need sales. You need to sell your product. And um, there's a guy I was listening to. And he says that if you're getting into a uh, in the selling products, you better sell your product 30 days in advance prior to launching your business, right? And what you're doing is there's target market research. And I did that with the drug testing company. Um, I started calling around to different businesses and selling USA Mobile drug testing prior to me ever buying into the franchise because I wanted to know and see how receptive the market was going to be to this concept and to this idea. And by right. doing my due diligence and my research, I was able to make a sound financial decision to say, yeah, this will work. Will it take time? Will it take hard work? Will it take some effort? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you've got to do your own research instead of just wishing, hoping, and praying that it's going to pan out. Because yep. you don't actually even need to manufacture your product. You just have to have your idea and sell it. And once you've sold 100 of your products, manufacture it, sell it. And then now you're not out any money. Because you've already sold it, you've already have that money, you already have the other people's money to purchase the product, so you're never out of your own money. Right. Yeah, that's a. Uh, there's a lot of small business owners that that that's how they start, and right. there's they a lot of commission based sales folks that that uh, quite frankly that's that's how they cut their teeth, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that model. There are some people who just go out and borrow other people's money, and um, yeah, I think the I think the tech community calls that. Uh, um, I don't know what they call that, but trying to a little bit a little bit of a tongue in cheek to be to be witty. The fact is, is, there's a lot of folks out there that that play with funny money, and some of them just 
And they go out there and they they sell it, and that's their revenue. Is yeah. Know, and so I'm happy to say the the eight nine years that I've been in business for myself, I've never taken a business loan. I've not ever had the opportunity, never needed to, and I don't think I ever will, unless it's for a really sound decision that I will have to buy borrow from. But if I don't have to use other people's money to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish, then I'm not going to. Um, and if I do, I'm paying that thing off as soon as I can. I'm, I'm with you. I, I appreciate that. All right, so let's uh, let's put a bow on this. And the and the reason why is we'd love to have you back on too. Excuse me to to build on uh, I think some lessons of of entrepreneurship that uh, transitioning veterans could specifically learn because uh, you know understanding cash flow is probably not something that you learn um, whenever you were doing let's just say uh, barracks IVs uh, because some people had a little bit too much fun whenever they were in for those of you who are listening I saw a little bit of a smile there Mike you knew what I was talking about. Um, um, all right, so See, I was charging twenty five dollars yeah. a bag when I was doing those. Okay, so you knew what cash flow was then. All right, I, I knew. I, I knew, and it was all positive cash flow because I used the military's IVs and supplies. So there was no. I was about ready to say there was government subsidies <laughs> even back in the day. But, uh, I'm kidding. I never did that. I'm from Pam. Don't worry about it. It's all yeah. bullshit. Okay, it's right. all hypothetical. Magic of thinking big, David Schwartz. There's failure diseases. Uh-huh. One of those is detailitis. So, yeah. So uh, anyway, it's definitely important. Cash flow, understanding cash flows is, is is important. And I did learn it when I was when I went to college. I did dabble in it and and figured it out. So, but a lot of people spend 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 and fail to remember you have to pay yourself. If you don't pay yourself, what's the point? Hundred percent. That's uh. Good stuff right there, man. All right. So anything else that you want to share with these guys before we uh before we wrap here? I've fallen and I've been bruised and uh, just remember, here's you know, if I can give you guys anything to take away that if I had never made the mistakes that I made, if I never fell flat on my face like I have, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because I wouldn't know which path was the right path. Right? Out of all the bad decisions I've made, I now know I probably shouldn't do that. So it's okay to to make those mistakes. What's not okay is to repeatedly make those mistakes more than once, right? Um, so I encourage you to make those mistakes as long as they're not extremely costly and they're not going to cripple you. Um, but it's okay to take those risks if you understand that that risk is going to be beneficial to you long term. And don't always have a short term plan. Have a short-term plan that's going to be effective and a long-term goal. So yeah. those are some of the key things that I would definitely encourage people. And pick up some some damn books and give yourself the knowledge that you need to become successful. There's a ton of information out there. And just take the time out to invest in yourself because at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit if you're going to be successful or not. They just don't. And And once you become successful, you're going to start getting people that dislike you. They, they're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that guy anymore. He's better than me. He's this, he's that, he's other. Cool. I don't want them around in the first place. And so surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Surround yourself with a, with a sphere of influencers that can guide you. Find yourself a mentor and, and, and steady as, as you go. You know, the, the tortoise and the hare. 
you know what I mean? You, you got to take your time. You got to take precision shots and you got to understand where you want to be at the end of the day. Um, so embrace the mistakes, embrace the suck because it doesn't always, it doesn't always suck. I woke up and I've just been happy, joyous and free about what I've accomplished in the last 10 years. And, um, it's been remarkable. So I think Nuffled Podcast. I thank Stephen for allowing me on here. I look forward to uh, coming back on and and diving a little bit deeper in some of the uh, the heartaches that that I've been through. Uh, and you guys give a shit to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Just just be honest with yourself. Yeah. If you can't if you can't if you can't tell yourself the truth, then you need to reevaluate who you are on the inside. And once I once you once you've done that, man. Uh, a lot of doors will begin to open up and you'll have some clarity in your vision. So absolutely. Well, I hate to do a, I hate to do a hard stop. Uh, well, you're doing it. You have to. Damn it. You got damn enough. have to. All right. Well, we're going to have you back on. Mike, how can people get in touch with you? Well, thanks again for having me on, bud. Um, real simple, man. You guys can always just email me, doctorresidentialroofing at gmail.com. You can call me, 214-284-0695. My line's always open. For those of you who would like to know, Knucklehead Podcast comes out with a new episode every Tuesday. Check us out on YouTube, on Instagram at Knucklehead Podcast, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions. If you're interested in setting up a, a business podcast, we've got a few case studies that are coming out. Here in the DFW Metroplex, we challenge you. We challenge you to reach out to us and help us or help you set up your, uh, your podcast. And uh, talk to you soon. See you guys. Don't be beta. Go out and get you some lights.